We're in the second message of a series on seeking the lost in Luke chapter 13. Luke is the most detailed of the minute details of all the gospel writers simply because he was a medical doctor and he would probe and find that, wanting to make sure he had the absolute facts in the gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts. And Luke writes these three parables that he records from the lips of Jesus last week We looked at the lost sheep, and today we look at the lost coin. Now, I don't don't know if you've ever lost anything that you needed to go looking for. I I don't know if you've ever lost anything that you didn't realize that it's right where you left it, and you just got to the age where you forgot where you left it. I don't know what it is about me, but every time I come in the house, I put my keys down in a different place. You would think at this point, I would have a little bowl or a hook or something or a flashing sign or a wife (laughs) that would say, if you put them down in the same place every time, you wouldn't have to get me up and say, where are my keys? (laughs) All of us have been in situations when we've lost something. This parable before us today is not a parable of a sheep that wandered off, nibbling, 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 and wandering off, and either getting under a fence or falling off of a cliff or or being devoured by a wolf. This is the story of a coin that most likely, because of carelessness, is lost. It, It seems that in this parable, that Jesus is trying to help us to understand that we have those moments in our life. And so he's reminded, he's got something and somebody goes, oh yeah, it might not have been a coin, it might have been my water bottle, it might not have been that, it it might have been something else. But all of us have had moments in our lives where we've said, where did we put that? And you can't find it. And so you had it just a minute ago, but now it's gone. And it's the kind of thing that you don't just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, well, no big deal. Now, this is a lost parable of a lost coin. I remember one time when I was out to eat with, uh, Terry and I were out to eat with Ron and Kay Dunn in Texas. And uh, Ron was, well, Ron was in his 60s, about my age. Uh, and, And we were going out of the restaurant and he had the change. He had paid for the meal with cash and he had the change and he dropped a quarter and he just kept walking. I said, Ron, you dropped a quarter. He said, at my age, it's not worth reaching down to pick it up. <laughs> I said, anything less than a dollar, I just leave it. I said, well, how come? He said, I don't know if I get down there to pick it up, if I can get back up. So I just leave it for somebody else to have. This woman lost a coin. But in that culture of poverty, any and all coins would have been valuable. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 15, he's just carrying on with these parables. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. And in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
Now you see, a lost sheep could possibly find its way back, but a lost, lost coin can't. There's some similarities here. Both parables use similar language. Someone or something is lost. And both stories end in a party or a celebration. And in both of those stories, Jesus is telling us people are valuable. He's illustrating this, that people are valuable to him. He loves people. He cares about people, and he's telling us that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes to faith in Christ. Now think about the world we live in. We live in a world of addiction, social injustice, human trafficking, abuse, depression, suicide, hopelessness, helplessness, People's lives seem meaningless. And in that world, God shouts, I love you, and I can change your life. Heaven is waiting for you to find and discover the love of my son for you and giving his life for you, to die for you, so that you can have eternal life. You, you see, I, th I think it's harder these days to, to get people to listen I think it's harder these days to get people to go to church. And I think I know why. It's because American Christianity has become too much about religious moralism and not enough about being like Jesus. And so when people re meet religious moralists, they typically meet somebody that thinks they're better than everybody else. And so they're, this person's opinion of the church is that the church is made up of religious moralists that think they're better than everybody else and I wouldn't be loved and I wouldn't be accepted if I walked in the door so I'm not going to listen and I'm certainly not going to go. That may be true in some places but I can tell you that in this room we got all kind of baggage that we laid aside. All kind of baggage. There are no perfect people in this room. There are no people that are better than anybody else in this room. We all came out of a woman's womb. We're all going to end up in dirt. And whatever we do with God in between determines what happens in eternity. And to get saved, we all have to admit we're helpless sinners. We're helpless sinners. That we need a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the love of God is searching for us. Jesus is convicting us by showing us that we need to be concerned about the lost. So the question is, do we love the lost? Do we love the lost? And the key to that is compassionate evangelism. The key to that is not just learning the three circles. It's not just writing down a name of who's your one. It's not just wearing a what would Jesus do bracelet or John 316 bracelet. The key is compassionate evangelism. Caring about people that under normal circumstances you would ignore. You see, religious people don't care about lost people. Religious people gripe about lost people. But God's people care about lost people because God's people realize we used to be lost people until some God person 
showed up in our life and told us that Jesus could make a difference and we received Christ into our lives and it made a difference in us. And so we have compassion for other people. The Pharisees didn't care about the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, the lame, the blind, the sinners. They had no interest in showing them how God could change their lives. But look at this verse in Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Now you see, with God, evangelism is not an issue and it's not a program. In the book of Acts, as you see the church grow, by the way, from the time of Acts chapter 2 until the time of Acts chapter 12, the church in Jerusalem probably had 100,000 members. That was over a little, a little bit more than a decade. The church had about 100,000 members. Now, they didn't have one evangelism explosion class. Nobody ever took a Christian witness training class. Nobody ever went to the track rack and got a track out to hand to somebody or to leave to a waitress. Nobody went through any kind of training course. Nobody had any kind of training material. You know why? You want me to tell you? Because they were so full of Jesus and so in love with Jesus and so full of the Holy Spirit, nobody had to tell them what they needed to do. They just went and did it. They went out and spread out and told the story. They got in trouble. Persecution came. James got beheaded. All these things began to happen, and they spread across the known world, and everywhere they went, they started a church. They didn't start a church with people that were already Christians. They started a church with people that were new people to Christ. They went and witnessed in the synagogues and told them that the Messiah had come, and then when they were thrown out of the synagogues, which typically didn't take long, when they were thrown out of the synagogues, they would go and find some place to meet. Might be by a river, might be in somebody's house, might be in a building, and we still see that happening in the world today. With people that just fall in love with Jesus and allow the love of Jesus to flow out of them into the community because we understand, I once was lost, but now I'm saved. It was normal, it was spontaneous, it was continuous, and it was contagious. The thing these parables have in common is we all know someone who is lost. Someone who used to be in a church and wandered away and has left the truth. Or someone who's never darkened the door of a church and doesn't know that Jesus loves them and has a plan for their life. And if we have the heart of God, then we are to be concerned about that which God is concerned about. And God was so concerned about it that his solution for lostness was to send his son to die on a cross so that we might have eternal life. Something's lost. I, I remember when I was a kid, I had a cocker spaniel. I had a blonde cocker spaniel. had a little white mark right here on his chest, and, and his chest was just pure white. And uh, he was on a leash because we didn't have a, a fenced-in yard. And I came home one day when I was a kid and my dog was not in the yard. The leash had the collar 
the collar had broken and the dog had run off. I called some of my friends. I called my mom and dad at the drugstore. I said, the dog is gone. And so we started looking. We started walking. We started looking everywhere, up and down the streets. Went and knocked on the neighbor's house. And about two hours later, we found the dog on Market Street, and he had been hit by a car. And I just sat down and cried. My pet was lost. I didn't know it was lost until I found that it was lost. And then I didn't sit home and say, well, the dog should have stayed in the yard. Went looking. Uh, we, we had the same thing happen yesterday. We were uh, about to go on a picnic, and, and uh, all of us thought we had Haley's dog, Penny Lane. And, uh, you know, I don't like Aaron's dog. I wouldn't go look for Aaron's dog, but I do. I, I do like Haley's dog. And... Uh, Man, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> wow. So we went looking. I mean, everybody thought the dog was, we'd go here, go there. So we get in the car, and then we start riding down the road. And Haley's giving me instruction. Say her name. Just don't ride. Say her Penny Lane, Penny Lane. I'm dry. She said, we stopped, talked to neighbors, said, you seen a dog about this high, reddish colored, you cute little dog. Have you seen, I haven't seen him. Stop a guy working in the yard. Have you seen a dog? We drive the block. We go all around the neighborhood. And all of a sudden, we've been searching. Uh, Terry and Paisley have been praying, God, please help us find Penny Lane. And all of a sudden, we get a phone call from Terry, and she says, Penny Lane's here. Where is he? <laughs> she was locked in the laundry room. needed to get my blood pressure machine and check myself. And, you know, Haley's saying, I am not leaving until we find this dog. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be at church tomorrow. I'm going to be <laughs> crawling through the woods, getting snake bit, looking for a dog. And we, we had another time uh, when Terry's dad died. She was already in Mississippi. And so the girls were home, and so we carpooled. To Mississippi and so we stopped in Mariana uh, to get gas and, and as Aaron got gas I was getting gas and and she was getting gas in her car and Haley was there and and as Aaron got gas she just put her wallet on top of her car and then we were you know we're rushing we're talking how, how long before we get there you know we need to get the family I mean we're just we're just thinking about where we need to be and so we get in the car and we get out of the gas station onto the ramp and we're on I-10 and all of a sudden the realization hits Aaron doesn't have her wallet and so we get off and we one goes back to the gas station to see if it fell off at the gas station and then while the trucks and everything are going by we're walking hundreds of yards just down through the grass on the side of the interstate just walking trying to find a wallet can I tell you how happy we were when we found that wallet, now she didn't have any money, but she did have a driver's license and she did have a credit card and, and I was happy that we found the wallet. You ever lose anything? And you're just happy when you find it? 
You're just happy. The question is, do we pay the price to reach the lost? Will we get out of the car? Will we get out of the house? Will we get out of the building? The gospel is free, but it costs us our time and our energy. I get asked oftentimes about why we didn't meet the need, and uh, there, there are so many reasons, and I can't list them all today. But, you know, we knew we needed better facilities. We knew we needed a better atmosphere for people. Some of you have come since we built this building, or some of you have come since we built all the new education space and the children's worship area, the preschool worship area, the youth worship area. Some of you have come since that day. What, what you don't know is that our preschool area, 24-7, smelled like a dirty diaper. Am I right? I mean, you couldn't get the smell out. I mean, we did everything we could. could. We changed the carpet. But, you know, 50 years of babies doing what babies do, it just got to the point of, whoa. You know, and you'd walk in the building and say, what's that aroma? You know what that aroma is. Is it your turn or mine? That's that aroma. You don't know about the bathrooms that... You would walk up to the door, and it wasn't as wide as this pulpit, and somebody would be trying to come out, and you'd have to go, okay, you go by. You go by. Okay, all right, you're a little too big to go by. <laughs> you couldn't walk side by side with your child. It wasn't wide enough. I mean, we had bathrooms that were not as big as the broom closets. They needed to be replaced. Our students were sitting our high school, middle school and high school students were sitting in elementary chairs over at Sherwood Acres School because that's where they had to go to Sunday school because we didn't have the space for them. When we moved, when we tore those buildings down, by the way, my favorite moment in 30 years here was driving a bulldozer into the end of one of our one-story buildings. Now, don't leave and change your membership over that. It's just... I discovered an old septic tank. I mean, you know, and the guy said, no, when you put your hand on the lever, you know, you just, you can kind of take the claw and you're kind of going to go through the roof and kind of bring it down, but don't knock the door out. I thought, buddy, I'm knocking the door out. I just, I mean, that glass door just exploded. That wall went down. I, I, I sent messages to my pastor friends. You guys always get a shovel and dig because you dig one little dig of dirt. Yeah, we're building a new building. I tore the old one down. Top that at your next pastor's meeting. <laughs> when we tore those building downs, we went to temporary trailers out here, and people were saying, this is nicer than the room we've been meeting in. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure was. Why did we do it? We needed to make space. We needed to improve the facilities so that we could invite people and not have to walk in the door as we were walking in saying, I apologize for the smell, but we really do have good people working in preschool. We didn't need to have that kind of church anymore. That doesn't represent Jesus well. If I'm a lost person, I don't want to go to that. And so we made the move. We didn't talk about la being lavish. We talked about doing that, which required some sacrifice so that we could serve our community better. Or as Walt Disney said, if better is possible, good is not enough. This woman is all in. She's consumed 
the coin probably was the equivalent of a day's wage. The homes of that time would have been made out of mud or brick or stone, would have had no window or a very small window for ventilation. The floors would have been dirt. It would have been very dark. It would have been easy to lose that coin. And so the woman lights a lamp and sweeps the house and searches carefully. The word careful means she made a painstaking search. There was no attitude of it will show up later. And she turns the house upside down, the scripture says, until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, rejoice with me for I have found the coin which I had lost. Here's the difference between religious moralists and the Pharisees and Jesus. The religious Pharisees would have grumbled she spent more on the party than the coin was worth. She just wasted her money through a party. Just, just send us an email and tell us that you found your coin. And she threw a party. She celebrated. The Pharisees complained because Jesus loved tax collectors and sinners. The father rejoiced because tax collectors and sinners came to his son. The Pharisees were repulsed by sinners, and they didn't like these parables because it said, hey, religious people, you're not doing your job. The Pharisees were not doing their job. So the question is, who's the one that we have? Who's the lost person in our family, in our circle of influence, at our school, inside our home? Who, who's the person that we need to be as tenacious about searching them so that they could find truth and deliverance and freedom through Christ as this woman did for this coin? And then throw a party. Throw a party. The woman lit a lamp. Jesus came as the light of the world. Jesus dispels the darkness. I like what John Phillips says. The Holy Spirit sweeps the house. Finally, do we see the eternal in small things? You see, the small things means that what we do here to invite people to come here because Jerusalem needs to be strong if we're going to go to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This has to be healthy. This has to be strong. If we're going to go to the ends of the earth, it's not about brick and mortar. It's about what we can do inside the brick and mortar with people's lives. It's not about the playground it's, or the playground inside the Source Cafe. It's about the moms and dads that bring their kids to play on that playground. Every time I walk in there, there are people that I have never seen in my life. They come. It's raining. They need an indoor place to play. Their kids come and play. He gives us an opportunity to say, hey, we're a nice place. We don't bark at strangers. We love people. It's about people. It's about sacrificing for people. In Luke 15, Jesus starts with what man among you or which of you would not go searching if you had a lost sheep or a lost coin. What he's doing is he's making us part of the story. If you were in this situation, if this was going on with you, wouldn't you do it and wouldn't you rejoice when a person came to a relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, we aren't to live in holy huddles. We're not to live in isolation. We're to cultivate relationships and Jesus challenges the attitude 
of anyone that says, I love God, but I never talk to lost people. There's a challenge to that attitude. We are so afraid of sinners rubbing off on us that we never rub off on them. We're so afraid. Oh, they, they might say a word I don't like. Well, that's the world. Why are you surprised when the world acts like the world? And why is the world surprised when the church doesn't act like it cares about the world? Six billion people right now are lost around this world. Say, well, we can't get our hands on that. We can get our hands on where we are. And churches are dying because they've dismissed the Great Commission. Jesus told these parables for one reason. He knew rescue was possible, and he knew people were perishing. He knew rescue was possible, and he knew people were perishing. Jesus wants us to seek out people that are not looking for him and tell them we have good news. If you want joy, lead somebody to Christ. If you want joy, invest in things that matter for eternity. You know, when I, when I think about what we're doing with Meet the Need and we'll have a presentation in a week and, and, and just kind of tell you where we are and what we've done, we've got great, some great stories to tell you. And then we'll look at the prodigal son. But when I think about it, I realize that if we hadn't done this, we wouldn't have planted 17 churches in the SEND network. We wouldn't have planted two churches in Israel. We wouldn't have had a church plant and had mission trips going to Puerto Rico, which has been devastated by earthquakes over and over and over again. You know, we, we just kind of see it on our news feed and on our Twitter feed and and we kind of see it and stand, so that's terrible what's happening in Puerto Rico. Uh, every week, Haley has to be on a one-hour phone call talking to people in Puerto Rico about what's going on. So, for instance, the last earthquake was over five on the Richter scale. So that means that every building that had already been gone through and declared safe now had to be gone through again to see if it was still safe. That's caring about people. Send Relief goes and works in areas where there are disasters. Our support helps to make those things happen, those church plants, because you helped us plant those churches. It's about the thousands of pastors that have come to refresh. More than you ever want to know, ready to leave the ministry. More than you ever want to know in the middle of a church fight. More than you ever want to know their wives feel built, beat up, neglected, ignored, mistreated. Their husbands, some of them, most of them are bivocational. And they show up every time. There will be at least one or two that will come up to me and say, I've got my resignation letter right here, but I just wanted to come to one more thing before I quit the ministry. But you see, if you didn't help us do refresh, we could just do refresh here. And we all enjoy it. We could just do it here. 
and the refresh is always a highlight of our year. It's always our best crowds. I mean, it's, it's a great four days. We could just do it here and pat each other on the back. But years ago, God said, Michael, if you keep this right here, it's going to die. you got to take it to people in other places. And so we began to do that. And now, because you've helped us, we've been all the way to Alaska. We've been to Boston. We're going to, New, to the Northeast for the fourth time this year. We just added one in New Orleans uh, with uh, Ryan Rice and the SIN Network in New Orleans. Can I tell you something? We can't do that by pulling cotton candy out of the air. It takes people investing in something bigger than themselves. And oh, by the way, do you realize that every pastor of every church that comes to Refresh is preaching somewhere today? And so somewhere today, because we cared about lost cities, because we cared about lost communities that most of us will never go to, because we invested in that today, probably rough estimate, 50 to 70,000 people will have a pastor stand in a pulpit of a church running anywhere from 5 to 10 to 150 or 200 and preach the gospel because you said it was worth it. And they may never write you a letter. But one day you're going to meet somebody in heaven and they're going to say, you know, your church did this and your church did that and your church sponsored a church plant in Toronto and I was saved in that church plant. You're, you sponsored a plant in Phoenix. You sponsored one in New York City. You sponsored one here, there, everywhere. We're, we're trying to be in all the major cities in America with a church plant to say the gospel matters in the city. And by the way, church plants baptize more. The average church plant that is being effective right now is baptizing more people than the average church in Albany, Georgia is baptizing. We have dozens of churches that are not baptizing anybody. And these guys are in the darkest of areas meeting in storefronts and going cold turkey to people's houses and trying to start ministries and work in their neighborhoods and seeing people saved because the lost are worth looking for. Now, you may have wandered in here today. You didn't intend to wander in here or somebody invited you to come in here and uh, maybe you've realized because God's spoken to your heart that you're lost. You don't have a relationship with him. I would be remiss to tell you that the world is lost and not to tell you that Albany, Georgia is lost and Lee County is lost and Terrell County is lost and Worth County is lost and Darty County is lost. I would be remiss not to tell you that. I'd also be remiss if I didn't tell you that, that God loves you and he wants you to have a relationship with him. So I want to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you need a relationship with Jesus Christ today, then just a moment you step out from where you are and you come down this aisle and you find one of these men and you say, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. Here's what you've got to admit. You have to admit, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. 
I've sinned against God. You may have sinned against others. You may have sinned against your parents, your friends, your spouse, your children. Uh, but you've ultimately sinned against God. And you have to repent. The word repent means to turn around, to go in a different direction. You have to repent of that sin and to ask Jesus to come in and take over control of your heart. Not just to be an add-on, but to be your Lord and your master, your boss. To take away your sin and give you all of him inside of you. His love, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his power, his strength inside of you. And so, if you've not done that, whether you're in the balcony or in the mezzanines or whether you're on the floor, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you just to step out from where you are. Find one of these men and say, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. We want to make sure you understand what that means. They're going to sing. As they're singing, you step out and you come.